SeatGeek, and you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 389 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Wednesday, September 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, are you still in a foreign country? Oh, what's funny is that I almost missed my flight coming back from Toronto because uh, I just pretty much got there an hour ahead of time. <laughs> and everyone was yelling at me. Some lady was like, she's like, well, you got to go on that line. You missed your flight. You got to come here earlier. Some other lady, some other lady, I was like, well, is there anything we can do about it? She's like, well, next time come in with more time. Go over there. And I went <laughs> to another person. And they said, that flight's been closed for five, ten minutes. You have to go over there and get a new ticket. So I go to the last door, and I'm like, all right, I get a new ticket. And she says, do you want to check your bag? And I said, it's got beer in it. So I was like, yeah, sure. And she goes, really? And I go, well, no, I mean if you can get me on that flight, then I'll, you know, then I won't I'll take it. Back. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. So she calls the, 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 uh, people at the front and she they calls the people on the plane and they say, yeah, he can, he just tell him to run. And, uh, it was funny. So I heard that and I go, well, I've got a gift for you. And so I gave her all the beer in my, in my bag and she said, Oh, I can enjoy that. And wow. Uh, I was happy That's... because in America, I think, most likely they would have been like, well, I have to throw that away or give it to my supervisor or whatever. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She sounded like she took that home and drank it. So happy That's awesome. Uh, she didn't take it home and drink it. She drank it for the rest of her shift. And then we don't want to know what happened with everyone else's tickets. I won't, I won't say what carrier then. Yeah, yeah. For the rest of that afternoon, if you flew out of TDOT or, or into with that particular carrier, you might have been in some trouble there. A lot of double bookings. There were nine people in seat 4F. It was, uh, I mean, she was having a great time, but nobody else really was. Well, I'm glad you made it. Um, travel anxiety is a, is a real thing for me in terms of just like always being worried that I'm going to be late. I've had one time where they were calling my name over the loudspeaker and it was here. I was leaving to somewhere else. I think it's actually more embarrassing when you're getting called out in your own home city, as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe when you're in the midst, you know, at the end of your trip. So yeah, I was uh, just, just late one morning. I get there a little bit, you know, just a little bit late, but then the line was super long. And of course you never know how big the line's going to be. That's why you have to go early. And so now I, uh, I'm on the, I'm on the early show up. Tra Neither of us are travel wizards. We have a travel wizard on this podcast, but it's not us. Oh my and, uh, god! We'll never Clint be. Shows up like three minutes before the flight takes off. It's like I'm here. Well, because well, he walks through George Clooney yeah, up in the air style and just says, "Don't." Like he sh he shoves kids and and women off to the side, and nobody even bats an eye. Like nobody's upset about it. I go in and do that. I'm arrested. I'm shamed. I Obviously, I'm a piece of garbage if I do it. Colette does it. They're like, "Well, that's travel wizard. No, no big deal. No big deal." And the and the kids, they'll fall down for him. Like they know to get out of the way. So, you know, I'm glad you're back. I hope you had a good time. It looked like it was great. We saw some pics, saw some tweets about it. It seemed like a really good time. The pitch talks events do seem like they're awesome. 
got to talk about getting them in, in uh, over here to Austin because uh, not only would it be amazing so that I could go, but also because you'd have plenty to do. You know, yeah, I, I know you kind of, it's like a social event in addition to the baseball talk. You know, you'd have no problem finding good beers to drink and, 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 and stuff to do. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe push them and say, hey, Texas, Austin. Spores there. He's awesome. Uh, we're we're going to talk some baseball today, though, believe it or not, on this baseball podcast. We're going to talk some rookies. Uh, we're going to start with some bad news on one rookie, but that, we'll use that as a springboard to talk about some of these guys who have uh, busted out in the second half and kind of get your thoughts on how they've been and maybe how you value them going forward. And then we're going to talk bullpens. We have not talked bullpens in a while, but there has definitely been some turnover and uncertainty. And, you know, with just over two weeks left, Every save is going to be crucial for folks, whether you're in a um, head-to-head league and you're, and you're trying to get those saves on a week-to-week basis, or if you're in your uh, roto league and, and, and you need those key saves down the stretch here. So let's just go ahead and start, you know, and talk about how Aaron Judge, I believe it's a strained oblique that's going to put him down for the rest of the year. So that's one of the baby bombers who's not going to be there. But let's be honest and say that he hasn't really had a big role in what they're doing. Like he got off to the good start, but then strikeouts have been a major issue with him. After seeing what we've seen from Aaron Judge this year, not not a huge sample, but you got to see a decent uh, bit of major league time from him. How how do you feel about Aaron Judge now that we've seen some some play? Uh, he's just he's real large, and I think he's going to have a lot of holes in his swing, and I just. I don't know that it's actually going to turn into the raw power is going to turn into game power um, the way that his body suggests it will. I mean, he really, I agree. he really only had one sort of superlative stretch, maybe, maybe two, but you know, 219 ISO in triple a uh, 24 years old, you know, we, we've been putting a lot of Kevin Moss on Gary Sanchez, but, I see a little bit more in common with Kevin Moss when it comes to Aaron Judge. I mean, Kevin oh, Moss yeah. came out of college, you know, three, four-year college guy, uh, you know, kind of whooped up on the minor leagues a little bit and uh, was never really young, that young for his level. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm much less excited about Judge uh, than I am about, you know, his teammates, most of them, most of the young teammates. Um, you know, there's probably a, a chance for some arbitrage here to, you know, get him super cheap, you know, trade someone, your, um, you know, I want, I want to say like Rich Hill or somebody, you know, like trade someone, your, you know, non-keeper starting pitcher, your non-keeper reliever, just, you know, just mm-hmm. to try and get him on your squad. But um, I, I would probably give him something like, um, you know, 5% chance of being like a really good player, which that's sort of what we need in fantasy, you know? Exactly. We can't, I mean, depending on league size, you, you basically need a, a high quality player, like a, a 105 OPS plus or WRC plus, unless it's coming with just a ton of bombs and maybe has like a low OBP that's bringing it down. That's not, that's not going to work. I feel like his size uh, writes these potential checks that his skills are not going to be able to cash, right? Yeah. We, see, we see the size, and, and, and there, there's all this projection put on him. Frankly, I just don't see it with Judge. I think he can be a solid player, but I don't think he's, he's an upper echelon power threat. And that's why I, I, I get a little bit irked when I hear all the, the Stanton stuff because really, their comparisons really stop at the, at the massive size. That's really all they've got in common. And they both play baseball. I I think he's really much more like a right-handed Jay Bruce. Um, And I think that that comparison runs all the way down to the defense. Like, I'm not sure the judge is a really good defender, so, or even like a passable defender. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of track the ups and downs of Jay Bruce's career, I think you'll, you'll see, you know, that's, I think almost not, I don't know if that's a best case scenario, but that's one of the, that's a better case scenario for judge. And I think, uh, more likely might be sort of platoon. You know, I get shades of, um, you know, who was that that uh, righty outfielder for the Phillies that was just massive? Uh, Mayberry. Oh, John Mayberry Jr. Yeah, I got, you know, I get a little bit of that feeling where, you know, the strikeout rate's a little bit high. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could walk and hit for power and play some good defense. Like, Mayberry was even a better defender, so... You know, uh, you know, I get a little bit of that that judge feeling from that Mayberry feeling from Judge. Um, so I I would say you know five percent chance of superlative play. Uh, that's that's really you know useful in all leagues, and then more like um, 
you know, like 20% chance of being fantasy useful at all. And then, you know, maybe it's mostly, it's mostly AL only chance huh? of, uh, of being like a, like a, like a regular, that's not that exciting. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not super high on judge, but let's, let's talk about six guys who've had really strong second halves. And we will start with his teammate, the obvious one, Gary Sanchez, winning fantasy leagues left and right. I'm, I'm certain of it. There, there's there, even with 155 plate appearances in the second half, he's done enough damage to definitely be help, uh, be carrying teams here. Obviously, no one guy, especially in baseball, does it by themselves. But I, I, I'm like I said, I'm certain of it that Gary Sanchez as a waiver pickup for some folks that you know said I need some a catcher. Let me just take a shot on this prospect. He is turning the tables for them and, and, and really bringing them into contention and helping them in their playoffs if it's head-to-head. For the second half, like I said, 155 plate appearances, 14 homers, uh, 24 runs, 24 ribbies, 330 average, 406 OBP, 706 slug. He's been an absolute monster. Now, I think it was either you and I or, or, or Jason and myself talked about his outlook next year. We're looking at you know top five catcher. But how overinflated do you think his value, Gary Sanchez's, will get based on this second half run when it comes to drafts next year? Because I'm I'm a little bit worried about a Kyle Schwarber situation, and the, the Schwarber thing's an incomplete, right? Because he got hurt, and so I'm not as somebody who was a anti Schwarber where he was being drafted. In no way would I consider that a win. He played two games for crying out loud, but I, I just. I would say Miguel Sano might be another one. The only reason I use Schwarber is because he's a catcher as well. I could see some craziness with Sanchez where he's going in like the fourth round or something. And that, that seems too high for me. What do you think about Gary Sanchez? The power is probably a little bit overinflated. But, you know, as much as we talk about how nice Yankee Stadium is for lefty hitters, it's actually pretty good for righty hitters too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did this piece about streaming, and I actually looked at Stat Corner's park factors because they are um, they're one year, I think, and uh, you know ours on our side are three year. So the three year regressed is the better way to go in general because it's it moves slower and uh, bigger sample and all that. But it is interesting, I think, to look at the one year park factors and see changes because especially since like Seattle changed their their walls and san diego changed some stuff you know there's changes that, that these parks make every year mm-hmm. and for example stat corner has the mariners playing uh park for home runs for for lefties and righties as above average this year so wow you know 109 for lefties and 105 for righties so that's sort of an amazing uh, thing right there and it could be possible i mean they did change the change the walls there and then you know for yankee stadium it has an amazing 140 for lefties, but a 129 for righties. And that 129, you know, is still like a top five number. So, absolutely, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, Phillies Park plays, is playing by stat corner a lot higher than, than what we have on fan graphs too. So that was a fun little outcome. And I have a table on that piece that you can sort of, you look at stat corner versus fan graphs on one, one sheet. Anyway, so that might help them a little bit, give them a little more power. And, you know, Zip's projections rest of the season is a 229 ISO. That's probably, that's got to be high. Well, I can actually press this button. And going into season, 194. So Zip's has moved a little faster on that, giving him the, you know, the league-wide home run boost. Uh, if the ball is juiced, Gary Sanchez is now hitting a juice ball, uh, and he's hitting in, in a nice stadium for his, park, so, for his power. So, you know, I, I think um, it, it's a good idea to move past that 200, that lower than 200 ISO that people were projecting. And, you know, to talk about him as a 230, 240 guy, which is, you know, a, a real nice number. I mean, um, that's, uh, again, Brucean, but uh, Trout has a 240. Um, is he know, good? Is yeah. Trout any I mean, we, maybe we can deep dive into that because I'm not sure if he's any good. But uh, uh, Well, Evan Longoria, you know, was bad in the past, but he's been good this year. He has a 240 ISO. So that, and you can hit 30 home runs with that. So yep. we're talking Absolutely. about, you know, a guy who can hit 30 home runs, uh, you know, is a catcher, plays in, in, and has patience, and so he's going to have OBP. Probably, you know, if this team plays like it's going to, it's playing, there's going to be a lot of runs. So, you know, I think he is, you know, in the discussion for top three, and that's, and that's even though I think there's regression coming. Uh, and on the on the other side, not to get you know too positive about him, 
But uh, in terms of plate discipline, I see some growth ability, and I think it's not necessarily a Schwarber situation. I know he has that 12% swing strike rate, but if you look at his zone contact percentage, it's actually above league average. And I was, I was going to mention that because I made that comparison, and then I look and I see Sanchez with a 23% strikeout rate, and that's, that's – I can handle that from a big-time power hitter, whereas Schwarber was up near 30. I think he was 28, 29 last year, and that's, that's a sharp difference there. That, that, that is a, a difference. And even if you're worried about that 12% swing strike rate, that's mostly coming on pitches outside the zone where Sanchez's O contact is below league average, and he swings a little bit too much at pitches outside the zone. However, we know that, that players generally uh, take more pitches as they age, uh, and, and O-swing goes down for, for a few years. So, you know, I think a, a peak Gary Sanchez season might see him walk 10% of the time, uh, strike out 20% of the time, maybe even 19 Ooh, or 18 in a peak that'd year. That'd be nice. With like that'd a 250 really ISO nice. and, you know, 35 homers. I mean, that, that's the peak year. So I, I know he's hitting 331 now, and I, in a peak year I'd probably give him like, you know, 290 or something. Uh, you know. In 155 plate appearances, you wouldn't even call uh, that, you know, that's not a year, you know. So. I'm reading the tea leaves here, and you're saying take him third overall next year, no <laughs> questions about it, every league type. You heard well, it here first, Eno Saris. He still has to adjust the league, and we're talking about a 240 ISO on a 375 ISO, and he's got the Babbitt's too high. and Yeah, I mean, you know, still rein it in and try to, you know, use the projections and maybe push the projections a little bit, but... Um, um, third, third catcher. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I was, I was a hundred percent joking I mean, there. Is it, let's see how far we can push this. What are the, what are the top three catchers next year? Uh, Posey, Lucroy, and Sanchez. I'm actually fine with him as top three. Yeah. But I, but even moving him up there, I don't want like Schwarber. I was fine with Schwarber being the number two catcher, uh, even though I was more Posey, Lucroy myself. I, I could hear the case for Schwarber being the second one. I just didn't like where he was being taken. So I'm not going to have an issue if somebody wants to put Sanchez number three behind Posey and Lucroy. I just I don't want to take him in the fifth round. Maybe like the seventh. I think is the, the earliest I can start I mean, to finagle that. that. A good play still, and that. You know, if people aren't taking catchers and Posey goes in the fourth or something, because Posey's had a bit of a power outage, right? Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and if Lucroy, uh, and if Lucroy goes in the fifth because he's been a little bit up and down, then I would love to take Sanchez in the sixth or seventh because I think yes. there's a there's actually a non-zero possibility he outperforms both of those guys. I completely agree but, with that. Uh, if that's where if that's where Gary Sanchez is going, I, I'm signed up. But if, but he's, if he goes if he's, first, he might go first uh, in catchers. Yep. You're damn yeah. right. No, he will in certain leagues for sure. And there will be articles written about it, and, and he'll be like a fourth-round pick in some leagues that just is, to kind of – and I can't do that. There's just no – like, I don't – like, I'm not all about track record, but we know that on some level the pitchers are going to change it up, right, and they're going to do mm-hmm. something different, and it might go fallow for a while. You and know? he it's will be catching too, and that always puts a wrinkle. And, like, even if you move away – see, that was one thing I did – like about Schwarber on, on the positive side was that he wasn't going to catch a lot so that the playing time and the health piece were going to be better, uh, theoretically speaking, of course. Right. When, when a crazy play happens in the outfield and snaps your leg, all bets are off. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There's going to be some, some reaching for Sanchez. I'm not going to be able to get behind it. But if you're talking sixth, seventh round as the third catcher, sign me up. Let's talk about a couple other of these guys here. Next one that's probably going to be drawing the highest uh, rating here in terms of where people are going to want to reach for him is Alex Bregman. Now, if I can get you to think all the way back to when he was like one or two for 38, I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was bad. And everyone was, not everyone, a lot of people were freaking out though. There, there was definitely a freak out factor. In my chat, I got some should I cuts. Uh, it, it was out there. This is not just the, the nebulous making it up. There were people that were already freaking out. And it was, it was literally 10 games. It was 10 games. It was unbelievable. I'm like, guys, oh, my God. And it's the same people who get so hyped on every rookie that then immediately turn their backs on them. And I, it, it blows my mind. Even though it continues to happen, I still get surprised by it. Maybe, the, maybe I'm the problem. But over his last 36 games, Alex Bregman has uh, gone 310, 353, 581 for his triple slash with eight homers, 32 ribs, chipped in two steals, and 30 runs. Uh, that's a full season pace of a 36 homer, 144 ribby, and 10 stolen base season. 
just giving you guys an idea of how well he's performing, not saying that that would ever happen. That would be some dream MVP type of season. Bregman, 48 games, or 46 games, excuse me. What do you think? You know, I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the plate discipline stuff, and some of that stuff actually, you know, even though we're talking about small samples of this guy, some of that, some of that stuff is actually the most meaningful in the small samples. So. Well, yeah, because that stabilizes. Can you cover, can you review that? Like, what, when does uh, batting, not batting average, when, when does strikeouts and walk rates start to stabilize? Well, swing percentage, which is the sort of underlying stuff, start, starts around 100, 150 plate appearances. Okay, so, and so he's well in that in that number. I, I forget exactly strikeout rate, but I think if I remember correctly, it's about a month and uh, or a month and a half or so. And uh, two hundred uh, plate appearances represents about two months. So I think you know, on, to some to some extent, this is stabilized. That's not to say he can't get better next year. It, obviously, his minor league track record suggests that he should make more contact. However. The stuff that's under the hood, I'm sort of like, well, you know, he swings at an average rate. He doesn't reach a lot. That's good. But when he, in the zone, he makes below average contact, which I think is really surprising. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much that's going to get better. I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that that should be the best, right? I mean, that's pitches inside the zone. That's you, that's the best look at how much you can make contact. And he's sort of below average there. So I'm sort of surprised by that because I figured he would – I mean, even Zips. Zips has him striking out 14% of the time going forward, like this year. Oh, wow. Um, and that, That'd be a 10 percentage point cut from, from where he's been. He's been right, right at 24% this year for Bregman so far. And like you said, that is one of the things when we're talking in April, and, and it's hard to make great judgments on things, what we really usually dig into is strikeout, swing strike, and, and walk rates. And, and to your point, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. Strikeout rate per our, uh, our glossary, strikeout rate starts to stabilize at 60 plate appearances, walk rate 120, and then um, it doesn't have swing strike rate on here, but, but you mentioned that that's about 100 as well. So yeah, he's within those, which tells us what we've seen has some legitimacy to it. Doesn't mean that it can't improve. What about ground ball, fly ball? That's like 150, right? Uh, ground ball. Yep. Uh, actually, 80. 80 yeah, for so, both. So or 80 like, balls in play. So, yeah, about so – uh, yeah, you're going to need more than that. Yeah, he has 140 or something something like that. So um, that's, that's actually, I think, really interesting because, you know, early on there was some question about his power, and then he had this big leap forward. I bet he did a bit of a swing change thing because right now he's hitting, like, you know, three ground balls for every four fly balls. And that's a real, that's a powerful uh, mix. You know, that's Absolutely. a lot of fly balls. And so I, I'm more inclined to believe his current ISO and say the projections are wrong on that um, and also sort of say the projections are wrong on the strikeout rate. So I think he's, you know, a little bit more what he is than what he's projected to be. Which, so he, you know, it, the best case scenario is next year he becomes a little bit more selective uh, improves his contact on pitches inside the zone and becomes more of an eight eight percent walk, uh, twenty percent strikeout guy or eighteen percent strikeout guy. That's within his power because he's projected Absolutely. to be even better than that. But let's say he's a eighteen percent strikeout guy who still has this two hundred ISO and starts you know starts running a little bit. Then I think next year I could be I could give him like a sort of two eighty uh, twenty five ten line. You know, yeah. sort of yeah. just you know, kind of back in the envelope. That's and great. Then we're, then we're talking, man. I mean, we, we're talking. That's that's big time there. And I definitely think he is one of the prospects that even after 260 whatever plate appearances it's going to be, I, I, can, I can start to get Alex Bregman, you know, again, I'm, I'm not going to be the highest. I'm never going to be the highest on these guys that only have, uh, you know, a third of a season or a half of a season under their belts. But – He's definitely one that I could move on a little bit more. And if we are talking single-digit rounds for sure, which I, I assume we will be with Bregman, whether I like it or not, I, I, I'm in. Um, I keep hearing the, the Dustin Pedroia comparison. When I watch him play, I totally get it. Like uh, just the, the kind of way he plays and carries himself, I totally get that. And, you know, you might not remember it now because he's kind of in this decline phase, but Dustin Pedroia won an MVP, and I think he's popped – 20 homers at least once. Now, Bregman might actually have a little bit more punch sustained throughout his career than, uh, than Pedroia did. At least, 
Yeah, and, yeah. And then on top of that, like I think the the d- defensive numbers like the worst small sample stuff. And I think a guy who used to be a shortstop is going to be a plus third baseman. Maybe he's had to learn third base a little bit on the fly. Full um, agree. You know, he was kind of one of these guys that played third base for a week and then they brought him up. So um, I think uh, I think defense will actually keep him on the field if there's any sort of slumping that goes on. So um, I think that's that's something that's worth thinking about with a team that has Guriel, uh, Uleski Guriel, who you know, has experience at third base in the, in the past, is now playing for them uh, first left DH type stuff. But, you know, they could move parts around and, t- and put him back in the minor leagues. But I think he will be their best defensive option at third base, even when um, he escapes mine. Who's the third baseman there that was the kind of platoon third baseman that hits a lot of homers? and got Valbuena? Yeah, even when Valbuena comes back, I think Valbuena, you know, they still don't really have a great solution at first. I think they'll throw... Valbuena, Guriel, and Reed at, at first next year, and that'll be kind of your AL only jackpot play. You know, you'll be like, absolutely. You know, which one are you going to guess? You know, is it going? And Valbuena might be the one of the great dollar plays of next year because he'll be super forgotten, and he'll be, you know, probably the third least, third sexiest first base idea for for the Houston Astros next year, and he could totally platoon you know, two thirds of the time at first base next year. So on that, yeah, on that strong side and just, and just mash bombs for you. So I, I agree there. Let's, let's stay in the middle infield, even though he's been playing a lot of outfield. I think he'll still have some middle infield eligibility. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but Trey Turner has been a monster. Um, you know, the, the, the concern I had going into draft season, the reason I wasn't drafting him was because of Dusty Baker's penchant to play, veterans and you know he gets heat for two things playing veterans over deserving rookies and wearing pitchers out i think he's been better about the wearing pitchers out thing dating back to cincinnati but he still carries the uh the the markings of of wood and prior i get it but uh so i wasn't terribly worried about you know the gnats being run into the ground but I was thinking, okay, are Michael A. Taylor and Trey Turner really going to play? And, and Trey Turner didn't play for most of the first half. But he finagled his way in there, and they finally said, listen, you got to give this guy a shot. And he's been amazing. And I, 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 I'm calling this, uh, he's Lindoring the league because he's showing this power that we definitely didn't see uh, him having based on his minor league track record and really what his profile was, which was uh, speed and defense. And I think that those that those factors kind of overshadowed that he was a little bit more of a complete player. And boom, all of a sudden, eight homers, six triples, 12 doubles out of his uh, 81 hits. So he has a 200 ISO on the nose, 24 stolen bases, all of this in just 251 plate appearances. Trey Turner's been, uh, been a revelation. And another guy who probably even more than Sanchez is is – putting teams in the position to win their fantasy league this year with his brilliant second half. How do you feel about what we've seen from Trey Turner this year and going forward? The thing I'm, I'm most excited about is that, that power. And I'm not sure. Ah, so good. I think it's really important and not necessarily that he keeps it at 200 or, you know, that ISO up that high or that I believe in that number it's just that he doesn't have zero, you know, like he exactly. have, he's not going to be a point oh eight oh or a point one hundred guy. And there's definitely a chance that he could have been that. I mean, 2015 for the nationals in triple a, he had a one seventeen ISO. Could have and, easily been a Ben Revere type where these guys where you're lucky to get two homers, right. but you still have to get them for all the steals. He could have easily been that. It's also important from an, uh, that's sort of a, uh, that's kind of a fantasy aspect of, of, of categories. But it also is important because it'll he hits the ball hard. He has only he's only spent two weeks below average in terms of exit velocity. So he hits the ball hard, and that's going to mean higher BABIPs, which is important because he doesn't have a great walk rate. So mm-hmm. higher BABIPs, better batting average, making the best of what might be an average strikeout rate. You know, there's there was a chance. I mean, you look you look up and down. You say, oh wait, walk five percent of the time, strikeout twenty percent of the time, no power. Uh, you know, the Nationals don't like him at short. I mean, there were plenty of reasons not to like him. Absolutely. I, I completely agree there. Like, that, that add in Dusty and not yeah. wanting to play uh, rookies, and it was easy to say, I can't, I can't take this guy. He's got to show me something. Well, he's shown me something, and it is just 251 plate appearances, but I don't see, you know, watching him, 
I don't see something that screams stone cold fluke. You mentioned the exit velocity. The dude smokes the ball. So anecdotally, I, I, I would have felt that without checking the, the exit velocity. So having the numbers behind that feels good. This isn't yeah, a guy. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that, I like that. And then there's no pop-ups, you know, more grounders than fly balls, uh, you know, speed, 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 speed. So, you know, plus Babbitt should be in his future. And, um, you know, that means good batting average, maybe not as high in OVP as you'd like, but, you know, Dusty Baker at the helm, he's not going to take him out of that top spot. You know, he's going he's gonna to let that guy run, run, run at the top of the order. Mm -hmm. uh, 20 games at second base, he's going to be Boom. He's gonna be a top – you know, two, three second baseman next year. Uh, I mean, you can't, Altuve is never going to be dethroned until he is. What about uh, versus your boy, Odor? This is, that's a guy that, that you helped uh, promote this year. They're kind of similar in that Odor has this, um, you know, no walks too, right? And is, mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of toolsy, you know, like Trey's toolsy with the legs. Uh, Odor is toolsy with the power. And, um, but I think there's a little bit more risk with Odor because a there's no stolen wait are there stolen bases? Not really. I, I, I even own I like had him in my AL labor squad, but um, a couple other teams. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think year. there's much. 13, How many? 13. Oh, pardon me, part my think, my bad, Rugnet. Oh God, if he hears me say that I that I didn't think he had stolen, he's gonna punch me right in the face. My glasses are gonna go flying further than oh, Bautista's God. did. I'm screwed, so man. Sad. But you I'm know screwed. the thing is. Uh, for his major league career, 23 stolen bases, 20 caught stealing. So I think in a, in a normal year, you'd project him for, uh, you know, five, five, you know, five to six stolen bases. I mean, yeah, I was going to say eight at the high end. Yeah, they're not really going to let him run if he keeps doing that. And then a, a crazy walk-to-strikeout ratio, 2.9% walks, 21% strikeouts. So, you know, it's, uh, it's funny that he has 31 homers and uh, 112 WRC+. Plus. You know, it's like... Uh, he's uh, a little bit less than some of his parts. Also, the defensive numbers on him for his career, so we're talking three years now, are not great. So, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to move him off second, but I think there's a little bit more under the hood where you say, I don't know about that, you know. Um, Turner, he's, he's a great defender in center. Um, and... I know he doesn't have the walks, but he has power and speed uh, and a great defender. There's he clicks more boxes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so and I think uh, what do you what do you think? Like a projection for for Turner next year would be you know uh, I don't know just to try and rein it in a little bit. Two two eighty, you know, ten to twelve homers and thirty five to forty stolen bases. I, mean, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say thirteen right forty. Yeah, I was gonna say thirteen and forty with the homers and stolen bases. So. 53 plus a yeah. great uh, average and if he's at the top of that lineup they're not going to you know they're, they're, you're not we're not projecting the nationals to be bad so that could be a, a boatload of runs as well yeah well, i mean no doors should be in the middle of the other one but um uh but yeah you know odor has also been sent down i mean like you know turner could have that in his future um I guess. that's a good point too like one thing we have to remember when we're talking about all these rookies that are that are excelling right now, rookie growth is not or you know no player growth is linear, and they could all you know take the big step back where they either you know underperform while they stay in the majors or actually get that call, send down like you said with Odor, because and, and and doesn't necessarily mean anything's wrong. That's just kind of the way baseball goes, um, and yeah, it is it is nice to remember not nice but like uh useful to remember that odor had to get sent down kind of get his act together came back up dominated the rest of that year has had a good year this year also, and so you know we just be how, careful look at how stacked the position is it may not be the best place i mean that the problem is a lot of steals right because you know it's hard to find steals mm -hmm. uh, so that'd be a reason to reach for him more than his for turner because yeah. because turner is part of second base. It's stacked this year. What if you put him in outfield? Altuve, you know, is going to is going to get you know twenty five thirty. You know, Dozier <laughs> so might hit forty five home runs. Daniel Murphy, you know, the great batting average might hit thirty home runs. Segura, Ian Kinsler, twenty six and fourteen right now. Cano has thirty three home runs. Rendon, I 
looked I looked away, I looked back, he has 18 homers, 12 stolen bases. <laughs> yep, yep. Like I said, and, and Segura, I, I, I backed off Segura. Like, I, I was not interested at all. I was not interested early in the season when he got going. He's been great. Jose Ramirez is 10th on ESPN's player rater at second base. Robinson Cano, DJ LeMahieu is still going to be in Colorado most likely. I mean, maybe you move Trey Turner out to the outfield and, and make him your OF2 or 3. Yeah, especially in a five outfield league, he might be more... I'm actually in tout right now. I'm playing Turner in the outfield because I ended up with Javier Baez, you know, you know, off of my bench. And I thought, yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's where that flexibility comes in because you're right. Second base is stacked and you might not feel like you need the fourth. I mean, Altuve is is number one for me. Definitely. And there's like, you know, you can have a real long conversation about Cano, Odor, Murphy, Dozier. And I'm not sure where where, uh, Turner fits in there. If if, if you're going to, you know, project Dozier next year for, you know, 35 and 10, then he's, you know, you got to at least, you know, put him near Turner. So, uh, and then Cano has always got a great batting average. If he's going to hit 30 home runs with a, you know, with a something, you might project him to have a better batting average than Turner because, you know, he has that power. He's also more contact. So, and you mentioned that the park's playing better. Yeah. So out in uh, Seattle, it's an interesting, uh, Interesting debate. I think I'd probably have him three. I might go Altuve. I might go Altuve, Cano, Turner. I might go Altuve, Yangavi, Solarte, Hernan Perez, <laughs> and then the rest of those guys. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go Altuve, Ryan Schimpf. That's our next guy. That's a transition, folks. Talk to me about Jumbo Schimpf, man. I did not – listen, I know – a lot of the players that other people don't because I follow baseball way too deeply, right? I know the scrub middle relievers that you're like, that's a real player. That's not a made up name. I'm like, yeah, that's actually a player. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, I, I had no idea who the hell Ryan Schimpf was. And the thing of it is, maybe I should have, because it's not like he, he didn't come completely out of nowhere in terms of the fact that in the minors, he hit for power as well. But you get on San Diego, and you just kind of get lost out there. If you're not one of their uber prospects, which, by the way, they had Trey Turner. Maybe they should have kept him. I like Will Myers and all, but my God, Joe Ross and Trey Turner, just to get uh, Will Myers, might not have been their best move there. But uh, Ryan Schimpf. With a big homer yesterday, got his 19th of the year. And, you know, he's swinging for that power, for sure. He's got a 30% strikeout rate. But 19 homers, 47 ribs, 42 runs, 229 average. So, again, it's he's not on the level of these other guys. We've now taken a, 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 a jump down in, in level here with this next rookie, Ryan Schiff. But what do, you, what do you think of him? Is this somebody that, you know, he's a late bloomer. He's completely off the radar from where these other guys are. But he's somebody that you're interested in next year because of the power at second base. Or are there just too many deficiencies elsewhere, mainly just the fact that he's got a lot of holes in his swing for you to want to invest in, it, in what will be, then be a 29-year-old? I got a name for you. Aaron Hill. Aaron okay. Hill had a massive breakout power season fueled yeah. by the highest fly ball rate in the league that year. And Ryan Schimpf right now has a 64% fly ball rate. What? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Oh, never. Never. Yeah, Salty's 54. He's second. Brandon Moss, who always hits a ton of fly balls, has 52. So normally you look up and see a 50. You say, wow, this guy's at 64. I'm dead. That's uh, I had no clue on that. You know, I mean, guess I'd have said like 44. I'd be like, yeah, you know, he's he's hitting he's hitting a lot. 44. I'm gonna split seasons. I'm gonna split seasons. Minimum 250 plate appearances back to 2000. Yeah, we got to see if anyone's ever done this. This is nuts to me. Oh, there's one guy in 2000. Okay, wait. Give give me some clues. Give me some clues. I'll try to guess it. Uh, it's gonna be hard for you, but backup catcher, uh, three letter first name. Um, was with the Dodgers and I think hmm. the Rangers. Uh, Three letter first name. That's really throwing me. Is it Joe? There's no. I don't know. Uh, inanimate, inanimate carbon, carbon. I'm failing so badly. How old was he when he did it? Carbon rod. I don't know what that means. Rod. Is his name. Oh, Rod. Rod. Oh, Rod Brahas. Yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. Just just smashing fly balls left and right. And actually, Rod's on there like a ton. <laughs> dude, so I didn't re- I didn't realize that he was such a uh, massive 66. fly ball sellout. But 
three seasons since 2000, three seasons of over 60, and Rod Barajas owns two and Ryan the other. <laughs> and then let me just name the guys that you'll see here. Uh, so Rod Barajas, a bunch, uh, Schimpf, uh, Marcus Thames, uh, flame mm-hmm. out. Jason Lane didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. Late career Frank Thomas, athletics uh, career Frank Thomas. Um, also, actually, Frank Thomas 2002. So, you know, okay. best case scenario, he's Frank Thomas. Does he look like Frank Thomas? <laughs> uh, Shelley I Duncan. like that you keep that in the in the realm. Hey, guys, we're just saying. There's he a could small be chance. Frank Thomas. <laughs> he could be, you know, Shelly Duncan is a little bit more likely. Uh, yes. Chris Young. I mean, oh, there's Aaron Hill. 21st on the list with a 54%. But uh, you, knew, you knew he was coming, though. That's still and, – and if you change the thresholds, Aaron Hill probably jumps up to the top because you had to move it down to 250 to, to get, get Schimpf in there. there. Yeah, some of these guys go away. Like um, Rod probably goes away a lot because he was – you know, backup catchers don't uh, – man, there's a lot of Rod Barajas on this list. That's, that's <laughs> really funny, man. That, Jose that, that's Bautista hilarious. is there with like a 55%, and that's sort of Jose Bautista's game – which is why you can't believe that Ryan Schimpf will, uh, like, I don't even know if he'll hit 230 because mm-hmm. if you look at Jose Bautista, he, he suffers the Babip, at the hands of Babip gods because he hits everything in the air. And uh, Jose Bautista doesn't have a strikeout rate like Schimpf. So, you know. Exactly. And that's the thing 30%. I love the 12% walk rate from Schimpf, but 30% strikeouts already has a 229 average. I mean, you can get the cheap power, but I think this is middle only in, in a league of a certain depth where I'm thinking, you know, at least a 15-teamer. I don't think I really want to mess with him in a 10- or 12-teamer next year with Schiff. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny because he doesn't reach at stuff. He knows where the zone is, and then he just doesn't make contact on pitches in the zone, which, again, we, we come back to that. Um, so it's like – it's like knowing what you have to do, but not necessarily being able yeah, to execute. I mean, like, that explains my entire life in sports. Like I know what to do. Like I know the techniques. Uh, you know, I feel like I, I I've learned and I was coached well. I just didn't have the physical talents to do it. And maybe that's where Schimpf is. I mean, he's got a lot more physical talent than I do to get to the majors and and hit twenty homers. But uh, to kind of go to that next level. And again, I got to keep mentioning it. He's going to be 29 next year. This is a late bloomer. I'm, frankly, I'm surprised that he's not on the Cardinals. But if he was on the Cardinals, he'd be hitting 20 homers with like a 329 average instead of a 229. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I think it's fun that they found him. They need to find players like this. He can, you know, maybe uh, play to, you know, one or two wins next year um, for the Padres, you know, hit a bunch of homers and uh, do some, some Dan Ugly. Dan Ugla type stuff. That's a good name. Yep. Yeah. But, think uh, think about Dan Ugla. Yeah, but and, how many and, times and, is Dan Ugla really useful on your fantasy team? Oh yeah, no, I'm saying that's a good name to keep you grounded in terms of not over investing. Yes, absolutely. Rule five guy. Hmm. Uh, actually, you know, Dan Ugla had a, a nice run, but uh, he also struck out 22 percent of the time those years. So think late Dan Ugla is yeah. what Schiff is because <laughs> yeah, he's already he's already there. <laughs> The one with that hit the big... 179 with the Braves in 2013. <laughs> you know why? It's because he actually is supposed to wear a large jersey, but he insisted that every team he was on give him a small, <laughs> just so he could show how how popeyed out his let arms those were. Pipes sing, man. Yeah, you got you got you got to let him breathe, man. And so <laughs> that that's what he wanted to do, and I think it really cut down on his swing. All right, let's jump over to Ryan Healy, and then we'll close on another guy who's a, a big pedigree guy because Ryan Healy is a little bit. Uh, he's kind of an in between here, right? He's not. Super old, like super old from a rookie status. By the way, I'm not saying that 28. So old. Yeah, exactly. So you know, Ryan Healy for the Athletics. That's R Y O N for those of you that might be looking him up. Uh, Nine homers, 22 ribbies, 25. Excuse me, 25 ribbies, 22 runs, and 206 plate appearances with a 297, 332, 503 triple slash. The batting average is something that's really surprised me. When I did see that he was coming up, I'm. Not completely blown away by the power. I, I thought that that was something that he could show, um, you know, hit some bombs, but I didn't necessarily think 297. You're out there in the Bay Area. What can you tell us about Ryan Healy that uh, we might not know? I'm totally into him. I'm totally into him. He, we, I did a piece on him recently where I talked to him about a swing plane, and, you know, he was basically a line drive gap to gap guy that didn't have much power, and then he retooled 
where he loaded his hands and he retooled his swing plane so that he wasn't chopping down on the ball and he you know had a more level swing plane that kind of ended high and, and, and allowed for more power and that's where you know he kind of burst out, you know onto the scene and ended up at the futures game and all that so you know I think uh, I, I believe it I love that combination because if you're a gap to gap you know sort of contact guy that says high batting average then you add in the sort of powerful swing it's basically what Bregman did I mean it's not on the same level in terms of what scouts think uh, but if you talk about the basic underlying structures there it's basically what Bregman did Bregman was kind of like a contact guy who who added some power and, and, and hit more fly balls Healy doesn't hit as many fly balls a, as Bregman but in, in the end that might be better for his batting average uh, mm-hmm. and I, what I really like when I watch him is that he can really he can pull to the left center gap for power. That's where that's his power alley. But he pushes doubles uh, into right center, and it's not, you know, along the line. I'm, you know, late. Excuse me, swings. It's powerful up the middle, you know, off to the right. It's decisive where he waited on a pitch that he could drive the other yeah. way. You're saying as or opposed took to a pitch on the outside half and 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 kind of went with it. Um, yeah. And, and you know everything he told me about the way he 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 swings and the what what he thinks about lines up with the numbers that are now and the the projection systems are reaching back to 2015 when he was had a different swing. So I am taking the over on all those power numbers. Um, I think I'll take the over on the batting average too in that sort of Trey Turner way, where if you hit the ball hard, you get you get better results um, on your on your bad balls. So um, I think Healy, I love him. You know, I think he's really a, a great acquisition um, for. I know that his exit velocities are middling, and so he's not um, he's not going to be a power power hitter. But you know, for next year, instead of projecting him for you know uh, you know ten homers, like the, the one thirty seven ISO, that's like ten to twelve homers, right? Mm-hmm. And so Steamer likes him as like a two sixty hitter with ten to twelve homers. That's like definitively deep league. And so maybe that's how you have to draft him. But he could be the kind of player that actually turns in a 280, you know, 18 to 22 type season, you know. And, that, and it's, always, it's always sneaky out there in Oakland too, right? right. You're not going to pay a premium here even well, from Reddit the biggest believers. Runs, man. You know, yep. you can hit for power there. <laughs> Yeah, and if you've got power, that's a great point, right, by the way. You know, we talked about Brandon Moss earlier. Yeah. Danny Valencia's hit out there. Chris Davis has shown that it doesn't it necessarily matter. It can stifle power. Like, the pitchers can manipulate it, you know, to play that foul territory and, and play that park. But if you've got power, like legit power, you, you can still play out in Oakland and, and, and get your bombs. So I, I totally agree there. So I would, you know, I, I, I'd call him more of a – 275, 280, uh, 22 home run guy, which is okay. there's going to be more than the projections say. Uh, it's not it's not quite sexy enough. Um, let me like if I look over at the player list at third base, it's not really like a 10 team guy. I mean, third base he, you got Bryant, Donaldson, Arenado. Yeah, he'd have to he'd have to play his way into that, I think. Shadow, if you don't play him at short, VR is a third baseman, I think, as well as a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Seager, I mean, these guys are all hitting thirty home runs. I haven't even finished the thirty home run guys. You know, <laughs> Adrian Beltre has thirty home runs. Todd Frazier is like tenth, and he has thirty six home runs and eleven stolen bases. So then you got Jake Lamb coming through. So. You know, it's a little bit, it's still kind of deep league, but maybe corner infield. Um, you know, everyone sort of looks for that, that old first baseman type um, for corner infield, and you could maybe, you know, jump in there and get a, a healthy young, you know, Ryan Healy that has a little bit more upside than your, um, I don't know, Travis Shaw or, you know, uh, you know Mark Reynolds or whoever the, like, you know, the, the, the kind of older, you know, you know, corner infield seems like the thing that people wait on. You know, you know yep. it's like one of the last things people take. Maybe you and you you can still wait and get Healy. Yeah, like that. Like that's still a wait pick. Is if you get Healy instead of just taking the kind of steady. Now he'll go higher than he did uh, this year, but like Mike Napoli is in the realm of what you're talking about. Yes, Someone yes, just yes, says, yes. Ah, I'll, ta- I'll take Napoli. Well, I, think I'd take, I'd take Healy over Napoli because Napoli's had some wild swings in his career. 
He re- he really has. And um, you know, he's at the point of his career where the next wild swing, you know, might take him out of the league. Trouble. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's fair. Uh, let's finish up on these on this rookie talk with David Dahl. Again, back to the pedigree guys here. Another shifting back to the super high end, at least in terms of potential, out with the Colorado Rockies. Really showing stuff right away, like kind of hit the ground running. And anytime you're in Coors, like that, that really just changes the game so much. I've been highlighting it as much as I can this year on the show, just because I kind of got back to it. I, I I wandered away from from Coors, kind of understanding its power a little bit this year in draft season. Then I I, I was shook back into reality. Like my God, yes, it can still just change players so much, and. You know, there's no reason he's not going to be there again next year. Some of their older guys might not be. They might move a Blackman or a Cargo. But you're talking about a young guy, David Dahl, one of their top prospects. He's been a stud. How do you feel about David Dahl? You know, I was a little bit nervous about the strikeout rate, and it's, you know, again, not not the greatest um, whiff rates and uh, not supported by amazing uh, sort of zone contact numbers. They're actually pretty poor zone contact numbers and you know he reaches a lot and he doesn't make great contact on pitches outside of the zone so that stuff would worry me but the stuff you just said you know when I think Coors I actually think Babbitt and uh, yes you know so I think you know he's going to do well on balls in play and that's going to mask uh, some of the deficiencies maybe that he might have in terms of play discipline so uh, you know I think uh me before I make a fool of myself, but hasn't Carlos Gonzalez kind of run some some high strikeout rates? Not high high, but like, or am I crazy? Does he an eighteen percent? No, no, you yeah, you can you can have some you can oh, have yeah, a, exactly. a, a look at look at him. Carlos Gonzalez last four twenty seven percent, twenty five percent. Even those years where like the year he had twenty seven percent strikeout rate, he had a, a three oh two average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the year he had you know twenty four, that I guess he was he might have been that was a hurt year, but you know he he's been like running 300 batting averages with, you know, some of the strikeout rates worse than average. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to be good for Dahl. That, you know, Dahl's going to be like a 270 hitter despite, you know, you know, in, in, in San Diego he'd probably be like a 230 hitter or 240 hitter. So, um, you know, that's going to make the rest of it sing because he definitely has power and speed. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to like him. So I, I don't know. Uh- I don't know if, like, him. you know, people are going to think he's just a 300, like, you know, 25-25 guy and pay too much for him. There's a little bit more risk than that, I think. That That's you, – you're right. It's going to be kind of league to league. I guess everything is. I understand that. But there's some guys that kind of have universal. I think Dahl could kind of bounce around. You'll get in some leagues where you're like, holy crap, he went three rounds earlier than I, I wanted to do that. And then others where you, you kind of look up and you're like, wow, he's still here? Sign me up. I'm in. Uh, I, th- I think he's going to be kind of one of those guys where David Dahl, you can't really get in on his ADP even more so than most guys just because it will. Um, it, it's an average, but he's going to be kind of on each end of the spectrum draft to draft. So keep that in mind with David Dahl. You know, let's talk some, uh, let's talk some bullpens here. And just, just for the sake of an easy transition, I'm going to shift the list on you a little bit and actually talk about David Dahl's team, the Rockies, and their bullpen because guess who's back? Your boy, our boy. I, I've adopted him. He's your boy, but I, I'm, I'm in. You, I signed the adoption papers. I'm in on Adam Adovino as well. Back in the role. We kind of knew it was going to happen. When he was coming back, You know, th- it wasn't a tough call. I'm not trying to back pat us too hard. But we said he was on his way back. He's going to get that job. It's a, it's a matter of when, not if. He's got it. Um, how do you like Adam Adovino the rest of the way f- in terms of saves? Yeah, I mean, saves are, are uh, the only thing that I could find that, that that helped you understand save opportunities. I think was you know, team offense. You know, you gotta you gotta be able to score runs to win games, basically. Mm-hmm. And then bullpen strength, which is basically you gotta get the ball to the closer. So that bridge, yeah. You know, they don't have any problem scoring runs at least at home. But the bullpen, you know, Jake McGee. Ooh. I thought he was going to be good. I thought he'd succeed there. I, I, I thought his his fastball heavy approach would work. I got that one wrong. Thanks for nothing, Jake McGee. Yeah, well, you know his team got that wrong too. So that's true. Um, that's true. You know, he just I think I don't know what it is. I think he's lost some some ride on that fastball. He's lost some velocity. He's had some injury issues, which he has over his career. So that's not mm-hmm. too surprising. 
Uh, but he's, you know, that swing strike rate is the worst of his career. So there's something going on, maybe just more than Coors alone. Uh, but he's not having a good year. I, I never really loved uh, Carlos Estevez. Um, no. You know, not, no, not no, 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 command, no, no. And we kind of called um, him losing that job. You know, he has good velocity and okay strikeout rates. So I think he could be a fine seventh inning guy. Like, he yeah. can be part of a bridge. But I never really was worried about Carlos Estevez. And I actually thought uh, Adovino was on track to, to return a little bit later. So I remember when he first popped up, I was like, oh, he's already on his way back. Well, then he'll be the closer at some point. So, I, yeah, I know you can't really nail down. And I guess I, I put that as a disclaimer for, for the rest of these teams we're going to talk about in terms of who's going to get the most saves no, among them. It's not, it's not a good situation. I would say that they're, they're not going to provide a lot of saves. I think they're going to blow people out or, you know, have these crazy – uh, you know, losses and these, that bullpen's not good. So or or crazy back and forth games where there's not even a save opportunity. Even if it is, ends up within a three run margin, it went so back and forth that he never got a chance to to, to I mean, save it. You know, walk off or saves, whatever. If you're talking about like a ten team league and you're looking for bulk saves, like you know, if Hunter Strickland survives that that blip. Hunter Strickland's in a better situation for he, they, his well, team doesn't score a ton of runs. But the bullpen, I think, around him is stronger, and it's. It might well, let's talk about to, that bullpen. Let's talk about the Giants. It might sound weird then. to say that, but because they just blew a game last night. But Derek Law is back. He's good. Sergio mm-hmm. Romo is good, and and Will Smith is good, and you know Santiago Casilla is not dead. So they've got. Are you sure on that last one? <laughs> I'll accept the other ones, but I'm not sure they're not weekend at Bernie's. Him. <laughs> him up. Yeah, are we, I mean, are we certain of it. It's funny because our bullpen report didn't even put a, put him on the bullpen report. But it, it seems like that because last night after the game, uh, Bochy was like, no, Hunter Strickland's still my closer. So it was a little bit weird. Hunter Strickland could have gotten out of that game uh, with the save. There was mm-hmm. a, a moment when a ball, he got a weekly hit ball uh, that should have been a double play to end the game, and he touched it, and that knocked it away from the second baseman, and uh, they didn't get the double play. So, that happened to Familia too, by the way. In in his blown save, if he, you know, he, he just kind of went for it instinctually, but his yeah. his t- touching that ball kind of really like, want those guys to to not be athletic, you know, and, and exactly you know, like it's it, and it's hard to say in the moment like oh, yeah. why did you touch that? It's like well, I don't know. I instinctually I mean, I, raised my hand. I think with the fact that Hunter Strickland just blew a save, maybe I keep Ottavino, but it's getting closer and closer. And if Hunter Strickland nails down his next save opportunity, you know. You, there may be like three more saves from Ottavino, and Strickland might have like six or seven. So, you know, and then okay. if you're talking about rates and ERAs in that amount of in that amount of innings, then that's kind of silly. So, how are you handling the co-closers in Cleveland, Cody Allen and Andrew Miller? It's actually, I mean, it's listed as co-closers um, on websites that kind of do like the the straight closer news. And I'll give hat tip to to ESPN. I checked theirs against against our bullpen report just to kind of see where the two sides are. And they listed as co closer. So I think Allen has more saves. They're using Andrew Miller as more of a fireman, which I love from a baseball aspect, but it's pretty nauseating from a fantasy aspect. How do you see the the Cleveland bullpen the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean it, it, Miller has uh, was it three saves with Cleveland. Yes. And none since September started. Uh, two more holds since. I think that it's just more likely that, you know, lefty, you know, you hit the lefty slugger part of the lineup. I think you're just going to hit that in the seventh and eighth. You know, it's like, especially if you open it up. So what you're saying is, what's more likely that the lefties that you really want out? I mean, I know Miller is not just a loogie, but, you know, you're going to, he's going to be slightly more effective against the lefties. It's just the law of baseball. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's more likely that there are there is a group of lefties with a, in a tight game in the seventh and eighth, or the ninth? You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, just, absolutely. It's more likely that he's going to not get the save. I think it's it's um, it's part of the reason why you know uh, managers prefer righty closers. It's just it's about platoon advantages. Um, so I think that there's you know you're more likely to find a moment to use Miller earlier than sort of hold him until the end. So, um, yeah, I think Allen's going to, you know, have more saves. I think um, it's going to be more like an 80-20 rather than a 50-50. Okay. Um, let's see. Last two. Arizona 
and the Angels. Arizona right now looking like uh, like Daniel Hudson, Jake Barrett. I think you're actually in the mix for saves if you Hudson, can. I think Hudson's taking it. I think he's taking it. He's, he's throwing 96. Uh, you know, he's trying to deal with different mechanics after his second Tommy John surgery. I uh, want him to take it because I really like Daniel know, Hudson. It's, and it's, it's so it's, good it's such when a he's thing on. That, also, they've gone through everybody else. And yeah, I know. They really have. Everybody in Arizona wants Daniel Hudson to do it. The story is so remarkable. The, the second Tommy John surgery, all the stuff he's got to go through, like in the arm uh, by mm -hmm. Jeff Passan, it's just it's, it's like heartbreaking. Um, you know, Hudson's a big part of that. He's a good guy. You know, I've interviewed him some, and, you know, when I talk to him, I, I, you can tell he's a good guy. So I think, um, I think they're going to just give him the rest of the, the year. And I don't know if it'll be look amazing uh, because he's not quite the same pitcher with this new arm slot. Um, but, um, I mean, he's gotten the strikeout rate up. In terms of velocity, he's one of the best options they've got. Um, and uh, I think he's now starting to get the hang of, of uh, relieving after a couple of years of doing it. So, um, you know, I think, okay. uh, I think this is it. Also, I think, you know, on some level, they want him to, you know, sign a good contract. You know, yeah, because he's he 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 had an option to like make you know fifteen twenty million dollars at one point, uh, at one in one of those like you know we'll buy some Arbiers type deal, mm -hmm. and he, he said no because he thought you know I've just pitched two hundred twenty two innings to a three point nine <sighs> ERA you know I'm gonna make a bunch of money. That and feels then, so long ago. It was so long ago. That was two thousand eleven, and between two thousand eleven and two thousand fifteen, had fourteen Tommy Johns. Yeah, almost as many Tommy John surgeries as innings pitched. You don't usually <laughs> see that. Forty-seven Tommy Johns. I mean, it's it like I didn't, I couldn't believe that Passon didn't mention it. Like he talked so much about Hudson, but never mentioned the forty-seven Tommy Johns. Thought it was an error in the book, but the book still succeeded despite that. For those of you that don't know, I'm kidding. I make stupid jokes. Just enjoy them. Finish up Angels. It's speaking of throwback. Their guy is currently listed as Andrew Bailey. Are you even touching this bullpen right now? Yeah, I don't think that they have any of the things that you want from uh, <laughs> that situation. I mean, yeah. we talked about it. They don't score runs. Uh, their bullpen is not good. I think if Cameron Bedrosian was ever healthy, he could be the guy. But he just, you know, six to eight weeks, season over, blood clot in his arm. Uh, yeah. J.C. Ramirez was my pick uh, because he uh, – Let's see here. He throws hard, 96 miles an hour. Uh, had the opportunity to maybe strike out some people. Hasn't really turned that hard stuff into strikeouts, so he's not maybe the best pick. Uh, but I didn't, you know, Mike Morin, as much as I like him, it's a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and then, like, a 70-mile-an-hour changeup. It's just a weird package. I don't think anybody feels, you know, super, you know, good about throwing that out there as a closer. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like a trick thing in a way. It, it, it really is. And, and so fair not. or not, it, it lives in baseball. You just yeah. don't usually see, like you said, the trick, no the sort of gimmicky guy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so rare now. It, power righty yeah. uh, gets you in the door there more than anything else. And, and that's just not something that, that Morin has. I'm not going for Andrew I mean, Bailey I, here. I think it's Bailey. I think it's Bailey in terms of, you know, he's striking more guys out than J.C. Ramirez. So mm -hmm. even though J.C. Ramirez has 96 miles an hour stuff to Bailey's 92, he's not converting it, whatever it is. I don't know right offhand if it's straight or whatever. But, you know, for whatever reason, he's not turning into strikeouts. So I think it's Bailey, but I don't think it'll matter much. I, don't th I think he'll get two or three saves the rest of the season. He might even blow, you know. He might blow one or two out of five chances and yeah. you know, hurt, you, hurt you in a week where, you, you know, you wanted a clean slate ERA type deal. So... Uh, that that's the thing you're taking risk on in addition to the fact that you might not even get the saves you so desire andrew bailey could actively hurt like you I and might, i understand right i might rather have rice iglesias because you know iglesias does get the odd save and he's a better pitcher and mm -hmm. cincinnati at least scores more runs you know and singrani iglesias they might be the two best relievers in in uh, anaheim 
So, yeah, no, I, I, uh, so. I fully agree there that, yeah, Sangrani Iglesias. Oh, yeah, if they went there, Sangrani Iglesias, they would definitely be the, t- the best guys in, in, yeah. in Anaheim. Like, it's a bad situation out there. Avoid that at all costs. You know, we got to get out of here. Hopefully we have some folks talking about some rookies and some, uh, some closer situations. You and I will be back Friday, correct? No, no schedule conflicts there? Oh, what what, well, what do we got? We'll have to do it uh, earlier than you want, probably in the morning, because I will take a red eye on Thursday night to Atlanta for oh, a wake slash camping trip. Uh, wait a minute, a wake? Here. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, it's it's a friend's father, and he's turned in. I don't know. I have to bring a tent for some reason, and uh, I don't really understand. Uh, and I also have to spend four hours in the morning in Atlanta in the airport waiting for somebody else to arrive so that we can co-drive down into the hills of Georgia. So, Well, I'm sorry the circumstance, but, yeah, we can definitely get that figured out on Friday morning. I think we can at least do a, a, a little short one and, and keep yeah. on top of the news. And, uh, uh, yeah, and at least the 30. And uh, if anyone – oh, you know what? I'm going to do this really fast just because I remember somebody from Twitter. And we didn't mention him when we talked about this. I don't even, is he starting or close? Uh, Corey Gearin, somebody wanted us to talk about him from uh, San Francisco. Uh, and, yeah, you know, he's a good sinker baller. And, is, he, uh, is, he in the, is he in the relief mix? Is that what, why yeah, he was asked yeah, about? He picked, up, he picked up a save in the extra inning. But, it's, you know, extra innings, you, that's not, you know. You can't, you can't do anything with that. Yeah. 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 I have four extra inning saves this year. Night. Uh, talking to Bruce Bochy, and um, you know the bullpen was a big deal that we were talking about. And somebody asked about Derek Law. Somebody asked about Hunter Strickland. Nobody asked about uh, Corey Gearin. So I don't. Think so the guy, know. the guy from Twitter, was not at that press conference. Well, no. I, the guy who wanted us to talk well, about it's a about nice it. sinker, and he could get holds because you know it's a really nice sinker, and I'm not sure he deserves his ERA um, so much. So. Um, you know, it's actually kind of weird. Oh, it's a strand rate thing. Uh, but anyway, ah, you know, okay. I think, uh, you know, 57% ground balls is nice. 56 for his career and really nice sinker actually gets 10% whiffs too. So it's, he's a good pitcher. I just don't, I don't think that it's a little bit too many balls in play um, for a closer and 91. I think when, when you got Derek Law and Hunter Strickland pumping hundreds around you, it's, it's a little tough to stand out as, as a 91, you know, 91 mile hour sinker. So Corey Guerin's a bridge guy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Eno, we'll talk Friday morning. Um, and until then, take care.